What up, son? It's the tale of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. Tale of the Tape, Season 2, Episode 27. So, I got the windows open right now. I got the back door open, so it's possible you might hear some background noise. I don't really care too much. Expect for me to have the windows or the door or something open for the majority of any fall season, to be quite honest, because that's just the way that I am. I love the fall. I love the fall weather. So, you might hear some birds or you might hear cars going by or whatever, but that's all part of the podcast. You know what I'm saying? So on today's episode, we're covering the Fugees. Now, the Fugees are the first artists covered here to come out of the year 1994. So we are officially out of 1993 now and on to 1994, which means realistically it is only one more year after this left of the golden era of hip-hop. Obviously... You can't particularly just absolutely nail something down to a particular year or whatever like that. You want to extend it to 96. You want to cut it at 94. It's a little bit opinion-based to what the golden era of hip-hop is, but if you really look into it in general, you'll find that basically 85 to 95, mid-80s to mid-90s is really what the general consensus is on what the golden era of hip-hop is. And We're definitely in the mid-90s now, and we only got one more year after this until we leave 1995, so that's definitely crazy. Um, We've been in the the golden era of hip-hop since season one. We've been in the golden era of hip-hop for a while. Now, obviously, in the grand scheme of things, the golden era of hip-hop is obviously going to be a small window. It's only a 10-year span, but right now, it's the vast majority of what we covered, but... You know, it's bittersweet to see it coming to an end, so let's enjoy this last batch of legends these next couple of months before we get closer to the new millennium. Now, before we get into any details, facts, or background on the Fugees, allow me to lay out my past experiences with this group and its members. The Fugees actually hold a special place in my heart, to be honest with you, as their album, I believe it was their second album, The Score was the first hip-hop album that I ever personally owned. It's not the first one that I ever heard or that anyone that I knew had or whatever, but that was the first album that I was like, yo, ma, take me out. I want this Fuji's album. Take me to the mall or whatever it was. I was probably probably 10 years old, 11 years old. Um, actually, couldn't even have been 11. It was 10 at the most. It was 9 or 10 because I turned 10 in, in 94, but late in 94. Uh, I don't remember exactly what month it came out, but I was nine pushing 10 probably. So the score was the first hip hop album that I ever owned. So regardless of how it scores in this study, no pun intended, it obviously opened the doorway for somebody like me who's very into hip hop. It opened that doorway for me. So like I said, obviously a special place in my heart with that album and the Fugees in general, to be quite honest with you, I went on to not only purchase more than one Wyclef album, but I also had Lauren Hill's, but I also had Lauren Hill's solo album, and I loved all the albums I had. I had a couple Clef albums, I had the Fuji's album, I had the Lauren Hill album, and I loved all those albums. So let's see if any of this translated into good scores for the Fuji's, who are now being thrown under the microscope almost 30 years later from me making that purchase. 
So we'll start off with the Fujis as a group, and then we'll get into each of its members individually. They are being scored individually. Obviously, the group stuff counts, but they're all getting individual scores and everything. So we'll start off with the Fujis as a group, and then we'll break off into each person. Also known as the Rap Translators, later known as Translator Crew, and Refugee Camp. Origin, South Orange, New Jersey, United States. Genres are listed as Alternative Hip Hop and Progressive Hip Hop. The years active are listed as 1992 to 1997 and 2004 to 2006. Their past members include Lauren Hill, Wyclef Jean, and Praz Michael. So the Fuji's obviously not still together. We see that they came out in 92 and then at 97 obviously split up. They were split up for about seven years, I guess, or inactive or whatever way you want to put it. Till 2004, obviously reunited. That only lasted two years and then that ended in 2006. We're obviously in 2021 now. So the Fuji's haven't really been a group for a while now. That's why they're, you know, every single one of their members is listed as a past member because the group basically doesn't exist anymore unless they decide to make some sort of reunion again, which I, I've looked into the Fuji's and I, I just don't really see that happening. But you never know what the future holds. So let's get into a little bit of a background on the Fuji's as a group. Fuji's was an American hip hop group formed in the early 1990s, deriving their name from a shortening of the word refugees. The group consisted of Wyclef Jean, Lauren Hill, and Praz Michael. Jean and Michael are Haitian, while Hill is American. The group rose to fame with their second album, The Score, in 1996, one of the best-selling albums of all time. They are often cited as being one of the most significant alternative hip-hop groups of the 1990s. In 1993, the trio signed to Rough House, distributed through Columbia Records. The following year, the group released their debut album, Blunted on Reality, in 1994. The album received mostly favorable views and included the underground Salon Remy remixed hits Nappy Heads and Vocab. They followed it up with their second and final studio album, The Score, in 1996, which was a commercial success peaking at number one on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart and being certified seven times platinum in the United States. It received universal acclaim and is considered to be one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time. The album included the hit singles Killing Me Softly, Ready or Not, and Fuji La. Afterwards, they released the single Rumble in the Jungle featuring Busta Rhymes, A Tribe Called Quest, and John Forte, which peaked at number three in the UK. In 1997, the group disbanded so the members could pursue solo careers. They reunited in 2004 and began touring for two years before officially disbanding. The Fugees have sold over 22 million records worldwide and are one of the biggest selling hip-hop groups of all time. In 2007, MTV ranked them the ninth greatest hip-hop group of all time. U2's Bono dubbed them as the Hip-Hop Beatles. In 2012, BET placed them on their list of hip-hop's greatest trios. The Fugees have won many accolades, including two Grammy Awards and a Brit Award for International Group. So obviously we can see there that not only did the Fugees have major success with record sales and awards and things like that, but they also come pretty highly touted and respected by other music legends. So now let's get into everything about each member of the group individually and see how they scored. We're going to start off with Wyclef Jean because he was the first one to have a solo album out which came out in 1997. He was born October 17th, 1969 in Quad de Puquets, Haiti. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Other names, Wyclef, Toussaint St. John, Nell, and Clef. 
Years active are listed as 1989 to present. His origin is listed as Newark, New Jersey, United States. His genres are listed as hip-hop, reggae fusion, R&B, pop rap, soul, and neo-soul. And instruments are listed as vocals, guitar, piano, and keyboards. Now let's get into a little bit of a background on Wyclef individually. Nel Us Wyclef Jean, born October 17, 1969, is a Haitian rapper, musician, and actor. At the age of nine, Jean immigrated to the United States with his family. He first achieved fame as a member of the New Jersey hip-hop group The Fugees alongside Lauryn Hill and Praz Michael. They released the albums Blunted on Reality in 1994 and The Score in 1996, the latter becoming one of the best-selling albums of all time. Jean would follow this with the release of his first solo album, Wyclef Jean Presents the Carnival, in 1997, which contains his top 10 hit Gone Till November. Jean would continue to have a successful music career as a soloist, releasing an additional eight studio albums, including his RIAA Platinum Certified album, The Eclectic, Two Sides to a Book, in 2000. Jean would also release a string of commercially successful singles including the Top 40 Hits 911 featuring Mary J. Blige, Sweetest Girl Dollar Bill featuring Akon, Nyjah, and Lil Wayne, Writing and Producing Maria Maria by Santana, and featuring on Destiny's Child No 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 and the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 number one single Hips Don't Lie by Shakira. On August 5, 2010, Jean filed for candidacy in the 2010 Haitian presidential election. However, Haiti's Provisional Electoral Council ruled him ineligible to stand for office as he had not met the constitutional requirement to have been a resident in Haiti for five years prior to the election. John's highly publicized efforts to raise relief funds after the 2010 Haitian earthquake were channeled through his charitable organization, Yele Haiti. The charity, which conducted education and welfare activities in Haiti between 2005 and 2010, effectively closed in 2012. The New York Times reported that much of the money raised by the organization in the Hope for Haiti Now telethon was retained by Jean for his own benefit. In 2012, Jean published his memoir, Purpose, An Immigrant Story. Jean performed his single, Dar Um Jeto, We Will Find a Way, at the closing ceremony for the 2014 FIFA World Cup in Brazil. Jean has won three Grammy Awards and a Golden Globe Award nomination for his musical work. So, again, a lot there for Wyclef personally, maybe even more so than for the Fugees as a whole. I mean, we saw earlier in his list that he plays guitar, piano, and keyboard, so... Obviously a multi-talented person when it comes to music. Definitely got a hand in props for that. I mean, not many rappers can actually play instruments. And then we see other things as well, like the charity for Haiti and the claims that he was keeping the money for himself. And let's be real, neither you or I will ever really truly know if Wyclef was pocketing money or not. So I'm certainly not going to go accusing him of anything, but... Clearly a man of many talents who's always publicly displayed his love for his home and a very acclaimed dude, so shoutouts to Wyclef for sure, man. Now, let's get into my technical breakdown of Wyclef as an actual rapper after I listened to him. I was intrigued by the Fugees because I remember listening to them when I was younger and also remember having more than one Wyclef album as a kid. Early on with the Fugees, he rhymed a decent amount of words per bar, but had a lot of really weak lines and even literally spit nursery rhymes more than once. 
There were lines that didn't rhyme or make sense, and in general, I was super disappointed with the Fugees as a whole. A lot of his bars didn't have much to do with the other, and he seemed to have a bit of trouble keeping topic for an entire verse early on. He improved on this after going solo, but still finished below average lyrically overall. Wyclef qualified six hip-hop albums so far throughout his career. Two with the Fugees, three solo albums, and one EP. Of those six, two were good and four were average. This added up to a total of 78 songs, none of which were great. However, there were six that were good and another 11 that were weak. Generally speaking, the Fugees as a group probably had more of an overall impact in hip-hop than any of its members did solo. While Wyclef isn't an unknown, he certainly isn't necessarily a name everyone brings up, and he only seems to have influenced Joyner Lucas' album cover as far as other artists are concerned. I do have to say that as much as Wyclef technically lacked, he made up for it with originality. It was a breath of fresh air to watch an artist not follow the media's image of what a rapper should look and sound like. From his songs to his rhyme style, the topics he spoke on, to songs he made and lines he used, Wyclef was certainly a one-of-a-kind artist and more than just a rapper. So, obviously a little bit of give and take there for Wyclef, as you can hear a little bit on both sides of the spectrum there, so let's get into the math on each thing and see how it adds up for him. Lyrics he gets a four, I spoke about below average there lyrically, and this is just pretty black and white, man. I mean... There were just a lot of times Wyclef just didn't rhyme or, you know, he, like I said, early on was spitting nursery rhymes. There was just a lot, a lot of technical problems there. And I'm not trying to shit on Wyclef as an artist, as a musician, as a rapper, anything like that. Particularly lyrically, he definitely was lacking in that area. But a great artist and a great musician nonetheless, regardless. So I just want to point that out that that's strictly lyrically speaking. He definitely had a lot of technical problems. Albums, he gets a 2.97 with zero classics. We spoke about that. You know, again, man, I, I just want to point out that nostalgia is just not involved here. When it comes to nostalgia, man, the score is an automatic classic for me. No matter what anyone says on it, that's the first fucking hip-hop album I ever bought. Anybody that's into hip-hop knows what that's like. You, you know what the first hip-hop album you ever bought was. So... Me personally, man, of course I love that album, but technically speaking, he only had two good albums and four average albums. That's not to say that I didn't love every single one of those albums, but technically speaking, only two of them were good and four of them were average. Songs, he gets a minus 1.4, which is a pretty high number. Now, I, I bring this up all the time. It's, it's not often that people get plus or minus, you know, one or higher. So 1.4 is definitely pretty high. It's nowhere near the highest that anyone's gotten, even up to this point so far, and I'm not even halfway through yet. But when you see somebody losing points where they could be gaining points, that's obviously a problem. And then losing over a whole point, you know, almost just about a point and a half, it's a little bit rough. And it is what it is. Wyclef had 78 songs, and there were just too many times, whether it was you know, I don't want to point fingers here. Don't don't take what I'm saying literally, but I'm just trying to make a point. When you're in a group, you know, your, your song scores are going to be affected by that. If you kill a verse, let's say, and you, you know, you raise the song to a good song all by itself, just off your verse alone, right? Or let's say, you know, your verse is okay. There's nothing wrong with your verse, but the song is about something particular. 
and and that could raise this, you know the song score because you're talking about something very original. You're keeping a topic, yada yada. Somebody else comes on there from the group and tanks a verse or doesn't talk about what the song is about or something like that. Okay, you're not gonna lose credit in your in your overall score for not being able to keep a topic, right? But your song score for that song is gonna go down because the topic wasn't kept or because there were two really bad verses on it or whatever the case is. So you're gonna get a bad song score right there. So there were just too many times. I you know I don't have all the math right in front of me right now. I have the final scores in front of me. I have every you know all the other particular things written down on my phone. So. I couldn't tell you which out of the 11 week songs, I couldn't tell you how many of those were from Wyclef's solo work and how many were from the Fugees, but I, I know that a decent chunk were from the Fugees. And regardless, he definitely had weak songs as a solo artist. Like I said, there were just too many times where he just didn't rhyme or whatever the case was or things like that. It just had some really, really weak lines or whatever. So listen, Wyclef did have some songs that even though they may have been very original or whatever the case was, technically speaking, when it came to, you know, the subject matter or the bars that were on it or things like that, they were just weaker tracks. And he didn't have any great tracks to outweigh that 11. So you're taking that 11 away from nothing. So that's why you get a pretty decent score there of minus 1.4. And I also want to point out that he only registered six albums and 78 songs for scoring because this is hip hop. Like I said, Wyclef more than a rapper. He had other things. You, you saw in the genres listed, you know, reggae fusion and, and neo soul and stuff like that. But we're talking about hip hop albums and hip hop songs here. So not really a giant catalog for Wyclef and then 11 weak songs with no great songs on top of it. So those three things factored in, it, it does add up to a pretty decent number. It's nothing crazy, but you're losing almost a point and a half where you could be gaining points. Impact, he gets a five and a half. And I, I want to discuss this for a second here. When you see somebody that accomplished that much, right? Like Grammy Awards, Golden Globe Awards, uh, how many singles, uh, the FIFA World Cup, you know, one of the best-selling hip-hop albums, or maybe even whatever it said, one of the best-selling albums of all time. You have to understand that there's a lot that comes with that, okay? All of those accolades were not necessarily accomplished by Wyclef as a rapper. Okay, a lot of those singles were not hip-hop songs. That that Shakira song is not a hip-hop song. Um, 911 with Mary J. Blige is not a hip-hop song. Side note, 911 is literally one of my favorite songs of all time, ever. Out of any song that's ever been made, that is one of my favorite songs of all time. But it is what it is, not a hip-hop song. So, yes, Wyclef, an incredible artist, an incredible musician... Props to him for all of his successes. Props to him for being able to play, you know, whatever it was, guitar, piano, keyboards, things like that. And, you know, make all these different genres of music and stuff. Again, I'm not trying to take anything away from Wyclef. And he was above average as far as impact is concerned, even just as a rapper. But let's be clear here. As a rapper, he only had six albums and 78 songs. The group really couldn't get it together to stay together and really put a great album together. Okay, we'll get into the other members in a minute. We'll see why that is. I'm not saying it's all on Wyclef. I'm not saying none of it is on Wyclef. Each individual member had their hand in what went on, but I just want to point out the realistics of things and how, yes, Wyclef had an above average impact, but with that small a body of work 
and being gone for that long and most of your major successes, aside from the score being one of the greatest selling albums of all time, most of your major successes came from things that you did that were outside of the hip hop genre. So I think that he does get an above average score for impact there as a rapper, but I don't really know that it goes beyond that. You want to argue a six again, bro. I'm, I'm not saying that every single point one that I give here has to be followed to the T. I won't argue with somebody giving Wyclef a six for impact. I won't argue with that. I personally went with a five and a half, six as possible. I think when you start talking about higher than that, we would really have to sit down and have a conversation and you would have to explain to me how strictly as a rapper, Wyclef had a bigger impact in hip hop than that. I mean, there really wasn't anything that anybody that took anything from him, at least so far from what I'm up to in the study. You know, no people really sampled him yet. Nobody took any of their beats or anything like that yet. Nobody borrowed any of their lines or put any interviews of them in any songs. Not Again, not that I've heard yet. I'm through almost 200 people and I haven't heard anyone do that yet. So, with all those things factored in, the fact that he hasn't seemed to clearly influence anybody musically and the fact that he only had 78 songs and 6 albums and things like that and he's still getting an above average score for impact I think is quite frankly pretty impressive in itself whether you agree or disagree with the score but you know it is what it is and then originality I gave Wyclef a 9.5 man I mean this was this just was throughout this never ever ever deviated or changed or dipped in any way from the very moment that Wyclef opened his mouth and started rapping on a song, you knew it was Wyclef. He came with his own style. He came with his own content. He came with his own sound. Um, so while it may not have necessarily have been technically good, it was certainly different. And I think that a nine and a half in comparison to a four, you're talking about an average there of like a seven. You know what I mean? So... I think that that's a fair trade-off. I think it would be better for Wyclef to get a four lyrically and a nine and a half in originality rather than get like, you know, five and a halfs in both or something like that. It adds up better. So again, where he lacked in the technical abilities, he certainly made up for an originality. And that came from every aspect. That came, like I said, just his sound, the rhyme style, the things he talked about, you know, it came from every aspect. So Nine and a half there for Wyclef for originality. And then you add all those five numbers up and you divide by five. And that gives you a final rating of 4.11, which leaves Wyclef tied for 107th place of 173 artists done overall. So not a great finish there for Wyclef. Finishing behind that halfway mark. And this is a shame, man, for a couple of reasons, honestly. Number one, I personally enjoy a lot of Wyclef's music, both hip-hop and other genres. I want to be clear about that. This particular stuff right here is obviously only about Wyclef's hip-hop music. But in general, I like Wyclef's hip-hop music and I like Wyclef's other genres that he dipped into. I'm not saying that I love every single Wyclef song, but I'm definitely a fan of Wyclef's work in general. I just want that to be clear. Number two... The group was pretty damn successful and highly touted. And number three, Wyclef was super original. So to have good memories of a successful guy who wasn't scared to be himself and then see him finish behind the halfway mark is a bit rough for me personally, but 
I refuse to ever skew any of these scores to appease me or anyone listening. Just because I liked Wyclef doesn't necessarily mean that he was technically good. And yes, he made it, you know, above average for impact, nine and a half for originality and stuff like that. But again, you have to look at what some of these guys are doing. There are some guys that are out there that are getting nine for impact, nine for originality, seven for lyrics, things like that. So you're going up against some people that are just fucking stacked, man. You know, they've been around for 25, 30 years, 250 songs, commercially successful, super original, absolutely dope with their wordplay and all this to, you know, pioneers for subgenres. And it just goes on and on. So up against some really fucking tough, fierce competition when it comes to shit like this. So the fact that Wyclef got the nine and a half wasn't necessarily enough to overcome the four and the minus 1.4 and stuff like that. And we've spoke about this before. We've seen people kind of just get average scores across the board where it's like lyrics, five albums. Yeah, whatever. Three and a half song, zero impact, five originality, five. And you would think the general consensus would probably be all right. Like the guy was mediocre. He's going to finish around the middle, but that's not the case. A lot of these guys that are getting mediocre scores are finishing a lot more towards the back end. Now, I don't know if that means there's a lot of really terrible people coming. I really hope that that's not the case. Or if it just means that I'm actually being more generous than maybe I should with some of these scores. Because these guys that are actually getting not so bad scores are still finishing back because some other guys are getting such fucking great scores. So we're going to have to see how it all plays out at the end of the day, but... I mean, when you when you get one or two scores that are like, you know, eh, or below average and things like that, it's really hard after that, man, to finish above that halfway mark. It really is. So, again, I'm a big fan of Wyclef. I don't know what the dude did with his personal, you know, issues, but hey, I'm not going to speak on any of that. I'm a fan of Wyclef's music. I enjoy Wyclef's music in the majority of the genres that he's ever done. And I have much respect for Wyclef, man. He's accomplished a lot. Uh, he's capable of a lot. So I'm not here to shit on Wyclef at all. Big shout outs to Wyclef for sure. And now moving on to Lauren Hill, who had her debut solo album out in 1998. Birth name Lauren Noel Hill, also known as Miss Lauren Hill and El Boogie. Born May 26, 1975 in Newark, New Jersey, United States. Genres are listed as hip-hop, soul, and reggae. Instruments are listed as vocals and acoustic guitar. And years active are listed as 1988 to present. So again, we see with Lauren Hill, another one that seems to be able to play instruments and, and you know, has genres listed as hip-hop is only one genre she has listed. The other two are soul and reggae. So Lauren Hill, I'll say this right now, Lauren Hill probably more of, of a a reggae artist or a soul artist than she was a hip-hop artist. But nonetheless, she did rap on a small amount of stuff, but she did rap. So, you know, we're here to break down what she did as a rapper, obviously. Let's get a little bit of a background on Lauren Hill individually now. Lauren Noel Hill, born May 26, 1975, is an American singer, songwriter, rapper, record producer, and actress. She is often regarded as one of the greatest rappers of all time, as well as being one of the most influential singers of her generation. Hill is credited for breaking barriers for female rappers, popularizing melodic rapping, and for bringing hip-hop and neo-soul to popular music. 
She's known for being a member of the Fugees and her solo album, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, which became one of the best-selling albums of all time. Hill has won many awards, including eight Grammy Awards, the most for a female rapper. Raised mostly in South Orange, New Jersey, Hill began singing with her music-oriented family during her childhood. She appeared in the 1993 film Sister Act II, Back in the Habit, alongside Whoopi Goldberg. In high school, Hill was approached by Proz Michael for a band he started, which his cousin Wyclef Jean soon joined. They renamed themselves the Fugees and released the albums Blunted on Reality in 1994 and the Grammy Award-winning The Score in 1996, which sold 7 million copies in the United States. Hill rose to prominence for her African-American and Caribbean music influences on her rapping and singing as well as her performance of the Fugees version of Killing Me Softly. She began to focus on solo projects, writing and producing A Rose Is Still A Rose by Aretha Franklin, then featuring on the Grammy Award-nominated songs If I Ruled The World by Nas and Guantanamera by Wyclef Jean. Her tumultuous romantic relationship with Jean led to the split of their band in 1997, after which she began work on her solo album. The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill in 1998 remains Hill's sole solo studio album. It received widespread critical acclaim for showcasing a representation of life and relationships and locating a contemporary voice within the neo-soul genre. The album debuted at number one on the U.S. Billboard 200 and has sold approximately 10 million copies there, being certified diamond by the Recording Industry Association of America. This included the singles Doo-Wop, That Thing, X Factor, and Everything is Everything. At the 41st Grammy Awards, the record earned her five awards, including Album of the Year and Best New Artist. During this time, she won several other awards and became a common sight on the cover of magazines. Soon after, Hill dropped out of the public eye, dissatisfied with the music industry and suffering from the pressures of fame. Her last full-length recording, the new material live album MTV Unplugged No. 2.0 in 2002, sold approximately 1 million copies in the United States and sharply divided critics upon its release, but has received retrospective praise. Hill's subsequent activity, which includes the release of a few songs and occasional festival appearances, has been sporadic. In 2012, she pleaded guilty to tax evasion and served a three-month prison sentence the following year. So again, a lot there for Lauren Hill. We're seeing a common trend here with not only the Fugees as a group, but so far each member individually. We can certainly tell so far that they are more than just rappers, that's for sure. And Lauren Hill also plays an instrument similar to Wyclef, and we see genres like neo-soul, Caribbean, reggae, etc. Plus, features on other genres of music, coupled with the award she's won, among other things, etc. So, an acclaimed and accomplished artist, even outside of hip-hop, that's for sure. So, I just, again, I want to be clear on this. Hats off to these people, for sure, man, for a lot of different reasons. You know, one of the main ones being how many different things they're able to do, and not only just do, but be successful at. So, again, shout out to these two that we've covered so far, and we'll get into pros in a minute, but before we do that... Let's get into what I wrote down on Lauren Hill as a rapper, technically, and what she brought to the table, again, strictly as a rapper. I was shocked not only by the lack of catalog presented by Lauren Hill, but also the final outcome of her score. 
I personally expected her to finish much higher, but even though she appeared to clearly be the best of the three members early on, she was still subpar and never really built off of it. She seemed able to hold the topic for a full verse much better than Praz and Wyclef on the Fuji's albums. The fact that she had hardly any solo career as a rapper seems to be the only thing holding her back because she did show the ability to go off lyrically, but the hole she was in from the Fugees finished her just average lyrically. She only qualified three albums in total for scoring. Two with the Fugees and one solo. All three were average albums. Of her only 41 total songs, none were great, four were good, and six were weak. Although she does seem to be a bit overrated as a rapper, personally I feel she had the skill and potential to be the biggest of the three members, but seemed to disappear and never return, having no visible impacts on any hip-hop artists. Although there wasn't much to go on, from what I did study of her, she certainly seemed to be her own person from the verses she laid to her image and the morals she portrayed, etc. So, again, man, this was a little bit tough here. I, I kind of had, like, a sour taste in my mouth with Lauren Hill doing this. Um, like I said, I the Fugees hold, like, a special place in my heart. I did not realize that Lauren Hill only had that one album. I thought that I fell off. You know what I'm saying? Like, I thought, like, shame on me. Why'd you stop listening to Lauren Hill, man? Fuck, I forgot about that. Like, not that I forgot about her, but I just got felt like I just got out of the loop with her. You know what I'm saying? Whether that was just the, you know, the mainstream machine not pushing her anymore or whatever the case was, I didn't know. But I didn't know that she only had that album. And then obviously, you know, as I was covering the Fugees, I started reading up a lot and learning a lot about why the group split up and a lot of things that they did you know, as solo artists and things like that, and Lauren Hill are constantly showing up late to her shows and all these type of things, so, you know, it was a little bit of a shock to me going in, like, I was kind of pumped, like, yo, she might be one of the best female rappers ever, and I'm, I didn't even fucking listen to her damn albums, like, only the one, and then, you know, I got to her, and that's all there was, there was just the two Fuji's albums, which were definitely subpar, and then there was her album, which barely qualified. I mean, it was a hip-hop album, you know, but there were plenty of songs on there that weren't hip-hop songs. So, you know, we have to score the album as a hip-hop album because that's what we're doing. So it was tough to score, man. I mean, there was definitely songs on there that brought that score of that album back down to average. She had plenty of songs on there that were above average of good songs and things like that. But again, there were other ones on there that brought it back down to average. So I was just personally disappointed when I got to the, to Lauren Hill. And like I said, the Fugees in general. So, you know, tough to score somebody that only has that many songs and things like that, especially when two thirds of that material was with a group who clearly didn't score very well, technically. They were very successful, and they had other areas where they, they got very good scores, but technically didn't score very well. So, you know, let's see how it added up for Lauren Hill. Lyrics, she gets a five, like I spoke about. She was average, and again, this was very give and take. A very, very small body of work, so obviously everything that she did was a little bit magnified. When you only have 41 songs, if you have five songs where you're terrible... That's over 10% of your work. So that's obviously going to, those five songs are going to affect your score more than somebody like, let's say, Snoop Dogg or E-40, 
who both had, you know, three, 400 songs, five songs is really hardly going to affect their score. That's closer to 1% of their catalog. So I just want to point that out how the fact that she even was at five, honestly, is quite impressive because like I said, two thirds of her work was with a group that didn't score well. So she obviously did pretty decent with her own verses that she spit on there as well as her own solo work in order to keep herself at average when the group clearly seems to be below that. Album, she got a 2.97, which again, this episode, the point of it is not to pin these artists against each other, but 2.97 is the exact same score as Wyclef got, which is crazy. It sounds like a cop-out. It sounds like something easy to say, okay, bro, you just gave everybody the same fucking album score. I didn't at all. Um, her versions of the Fuji's albums might have been a different score than Wyclef's, and I know that Wyclef had two good albums, and Lauryn Hill didn't have any good albums. So that probably means that some of Wyclef's albums scored lower than hers, and some of Wyclef's albums scored higher than hers, which wound up adding up to, crazily enough, the exact same score to the fucking hundredth decimal place. So I do think that's pretty crazy when things like that work out. I mean, here we go. We got two members of the same group that didn't have the same amount of albums, didn't get the same scores on their albums, didn't get the same score lyrically, and then when it comes to their album score in total, exact same number down to the hundredth decimal place. Like, how the fuck does that happen? But anyway, on to her song score. She gets a minus 1.5. Very similar to Wyclef. He got a minus 1.4. It's a pretty high number. You don't want to be losing a point and a half. Again, we can go over how she got that. She didn't have a lot of work again. So 41 songs in total for her, as opposed to, I believe it was 78 for Wyclef. 11 week songs for Wyclef, six week songs for Lauren Hill. So a smaller number in the total number of week songs for Lauren Hill. Wyclef actually had more weaker songs, weaker hip hop songs, I should say than Lauren Hill did, but Lauren Hill's was a slightly bigger percentage of her total body of work, so she winds up losing an extra point one there in the song score. Nothing major, but a little bit higher. Impact, she gets a five and a half, same as Wyclef. I mean, I'm going to make the exact same statements for Lauren Hill that I made as y for Wyclef. Obviously, a tremendous musician, a tremendous artist for sure, Critically acclaimed, extremely successful, plenty of accolades, but again, most of them came in other genres. So she did get them. I'm not trying to shit on her. I am giving her an above average score for impact here. But again, we're talking about only two albums with the group and then one solo album, which was just barely a hip hop album. It almost didn't qualify. I had to really... It, it wasn't qualifying at first, and I really had to find a way to, to try to make it qualify because I didn't want to get Lauren Hill's only fucking album out of there and just leave her with the Fuji stuff. It just didn't seem right. So I, I kept digging into what these particular subgenres were and what would and wouldn't be qualified to count here. And it, it just barely made it in. And even including that, still, only 41 total songs. No real visible impacts on any other hip-hop artists, which, I mean, is not that big of a surprise when you only had 41 songs. I mean, what are people going to keep sampling the same couple of bars over and over again? That really doesn't happen with anybody except for, like, Slick Rick and Biggie so far, maybe Tupac. Um, 
And those guys, I mean, maybe not Biggie, but Tupac had a, a large amount of material. So there's a lot of different things you could take from Tupac. 41 songs, especially when two-thirds of that was with a group, does not leave you a lot of material to sample Lauryn Hill with. So that doesn't come as a great shock there, but still, it has to be taken into consideration. Both of those things, no real names there, influenced, and a very small body of work, coupled with the very high majority of her big accolades and accomplishments coming as maybe a singer or a reggae artist or something like that. So still gets an above average score for impact, but I just want to point out it might seem really bit fucking five and a half. Lauren Hill, what are you crazy, bro? She had one of the greatest selling albums of all time and so did their group. Okay, I get that. And that was factored in, but so was everything else. Originality, she gets an eight. Now, she was also a very original artist. If I remember correctly, everybody in the Fugees was to a certain extent. I don't remember anybody getting a bad score in the originality department. Some of them obviously were more original than others, but I, like I said, I don't remember them, any of them getting any poor scores in this department. Lauren Hill, not quite as original as Wyclef. She was definitely original, but just didn't go the total extra mile, wasn't you know, as totally out there and totally experimental and stuff like that as Wyclef was, but still gets an eight for originality. That's a great originality score. So Lauren Hill gets the five lyrically and the eight for originality, where Wyclef gets the four lyrically and the nine and a half for originality. So again, I just want to point out how those things work. Wyclef went out on a little bit more of a limb and took a risk and did some risky, crazy, different shit. And, you know, sometimes it didn't pay off for him, technically. But it did for originality because of how different and unique it was. Lauren Hill, still different and unique, maybe didn't take quite as many risks and go out on such a limb. And that worked out for her a little bit better as far as technicalities were concerned, but not quite the score for originality that Wyclef had. So you add all those five numbers up and you divide by five, and that gives you a final rating of 3.99 which leaves Lauren Hill tied for 123rd place of 173 artists done overall. So, an even more rough finish there for Lauren Hill than we saw for Wyclef. Almost another 20 spots back, which could wind up translating to closer to like 60 spots when the study is all said and done, 50 to 60 spots. It could stay 20, but I'm just saying. But to be fair to Lauren Hill... Her lack of solo hip-hop material really hurt her as she didn't give herself much room to separate herself from the other members and whatever scores they had. But, I mean, having been the best of the three lyrically, this could have been at least part of the reason why she fell behind in total. Also, I I've said it before, I'm going to say it again, I want you to keep in mind that these scores are for Lauryn Hill strictly as a rapper. Okay, not as an artist, not as a musician, not as a neo-soul artist or a soul or, or a reggae artist, anything like that, or R&B or a singer. This is Lauryn Hill as a rapper. So again, shout outs to Lauryn Hill as an artist, as a musician. I love the very high majority of Lauryn Hill's work, both in and out of the hip hop genre. But I'm sorry, man, as a rapper, she's just very highly overrated. There really was nothing special about almost anything that Lauren Hill said. And like I said before, there was a bit of a hole there with the Fugees early on. So, you know, the things that she did say that were above average, which she only had one album to say him, just wound up carrying her back to even anyway. So 
Nothing special there for Lauren Hill, especially lyrically, but, you know, to each their own, man. I'm just calling it the way that it is. Love the girl's music, but it just wasn't anything special as far as a, a hip-hop artist was concerned. Now, moving on to Praz, who also had his debut solo album out in 1998. Birth name, Pekazrel Samuel Michael. Born October 19th, 1972 in New York City, New York, United States. Origins listed as Irvington, New Jersey, United States. Genres are listed as hip-hop, soul, and reggae. Instruments are listed as vocals, keyboards, and sampler. And his years active are listed as 1989 to present. So a little bit of a background on Praz individually. Perkazrel Samuel Michael, born October 19th, 1972, is a Haitian-American rapper, record producer, songwriter, and actor. He is best known as a member of the hip-hop group The Fugees, alongside Wyclef Jean and Lauryn Hill. After The Fugees, he is known for his top 40 hit Ghetto Superstar from the film Bullworth and We Trying to Stay Alive with Jean and John Forte. So, quite the contrary to the group itself and its prior two members individually, not much there for Praz at all, and to be quite honest, I'm not sure this should come as a surprise to most people. Probably the least skilled and least popular member of the group. And I, I know for me personally, again, and I don't know how conscious this was when I was younger or how much I really delved into how good I thought these guys were technically, but I had Fuji's album. I had a couple Wyclef albums. I had the Lauren Hill album. I did not have any Praz albums. I don't remember how many he had off the top of my head, but I did not have any Praz albums. So... Again, it's weird when I had an experience of something and now 20, 30 years later, I'm back here kind of going back over things and trying to not involve my experience of it at all and see like, hey, was that shit really good? Like, or did I just love it? And it's it's odd when things like this happen where it's like, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't listen to Proz. And then here we come, you know, almost 30 years later. And there's hardly really much there for Praz. So maybe it wasn't just me. And the same thing with Lauren Hill. I thought I fell off and just stopped listening to Lauren Hill. Come to find out she never had another album after that. So it's weird when things play out like that. And then you go and look back 25, 30 years later. And you're like, wow, that's nuts, man. So let's see how all of that translated for Praz. And I'll give you my technical breakdown of Praz once I was done listening to him. I'm not going to say that I necessarily expected Praz to do great, but I did not realize he was as bad as he was. Similar to Wyclef, early on, he managed to rhyme a decent amount of words per bar, but had a lot of terrible lines and also used nursery rhymes and verses. For most of the decent lines he did have, he was reaching and had trouble with his flow. Although he did show the ability to keep a topic later on in his career, most of the time his bars had nothing at all to do with each other. Where him and Wyclef really differed, though, was when the Fugees split, Wyclef seemed to benefit from this, at least artistically, whereas Praz seemed to suffer and finished well below average lyrically. He qualified two albums with the Fugees, two solo albums, and one EP. All except one were average, and the other was just barely good. Of his 52 qualified songs, none were great, only three were good, and eight were weak. If not for the Fugees, Praz would have been lucky to be a one-hit wonder with Ghetto Superstar. He had no visible impacts on any artist and was essentially irrelevant not long after the Fugees split. Again, opposite from the other two members, 
Prada seemed to benefit early on from the Fujis with an original style and delivery and backtracked on that later on in his solo career and started hopping on trendy musical bandwagons. So, another rough breakdown there for another member of the Fujis, and let's just get right into the math and see how this worked out for Praz, because quite honestly, Praz's scores were a little bit easier to give and, and a, lot, a lot more black and white than the other people's were. So, lyrics, he gets a three. Again, there's no getting around that. Praz was rough lyrically, honestly. He just... He lost his flow a lot of times. He had some really bad lines. Any decent line he had had some sort of technical problems in it. And this just went on and on. And he never really was able to climb out of that hole at all. So lyrics, he gets a 3. Albums, he gets a 2.90 with 0 classics, which is slightly lower than the other members who got a 2.97. And Praz didn't quite have as much material as Wyclef, but a little bit more material than Lauren Hill which obviously was worse than Lauren Hill's material as we see Praz's album scores lower than Lauren Hill's. Songs, he gets a minus 1.5, which is exactly the same as Lauren Hill's. He obviously got to it in a little bit of a different way. He had 52 songs as opposed to 41. She had six weak songs. He had eight weak songs. So he had two more weak songs than Lauren Hill, but 11 more songs than her in total, which ironically enough, wound up being the exact same percentage as it was to match up with Lauren Hills, and they both get a minus 1.5 in that song score. This is off to a rough start right now. I mean, when you get that bad of a score lyrically and that low of an album score, and then you're losing a minus 1.5 in your song score and stuff like that, I mean, obviously, we can see where this is going. We'll see if he can bail himself out at all with his last two scores here. Impact, he gets a 5, and I think this is warranted. Because it's one of those things where he is part of one of the, you know, I don't know if I should say the biggest or most successful hip-hop groups of all time. A very highly touted hip-hop group for sure. But he was the least skilled, the least popular member of the group. And what else did he really accomplish? Essentially almost nothing. Like I said, if it wasn't for Ghetto Superstar, I mean, even if you include Ghetto Superstar, take the Fugees away and include Ghetto Superstar, Praz is a one-hit wonder. Now take that one hit away without any, you know, real clear musical influences on any other artists and shit like that. You're talking about essentially nothing there from Praz. You're talking about, what was it, two or three albums or two albums and an EP like I said, take that Ghetto Superstar away, that one-hit wonder status, there's nothing there. So, a one-hit wonder, aside from being with the Fugees, and again, the Fugees is only going to carry him so far, because even if that group gets a six as an impact as a whole, he's going to be on the lower end of that as compared to the other members for sure, both because he had a lesser body of work than Wyclef, also because the solo work that he put out was not only unsuccessful, but was worse than the Fuji's work, which wasn't really great technically to begin with. So there's just a lot of problems going into these numbers here for Praz. But he gets a five, an average score. You know, it's not a... He, listen, again, take that single and the Fuji's away. Praz probably gets like, what, a two here? So, you know, he gets the average score there, which really is just solely based on the Fuji's alone. And I think that that's fair, man. I think that being a part of the Fugees has to at least carry you to and having an average impact in hip-hop. Um, originality, he gets a six and a half, which, again, is a pretty good score. But when you look at it in comparison to Lauren Hill and especially to Wyclef, who got a nine and a half, 
it's a little odd seeing as like a, the group obviously was very original in general. Then you branch off to its members and, you know, they were very original in general. And Praz was original to a certain extent. But again, that score is carried by the Fugees yet again, even though it's not that great of a score. Because when Praz branched off on his own, he had an entire, I believe it was his EP and I think it was his most recent thing that just... Bro, it's one thing to age with the times. It's another thing to just completely do a 180 on your style and just absolutely copy to the T on every song what's going on right now. And that's exactly what Praz did. So that took his probably pretty high impact uh, originality score of maybe somewhere between an 8 and a 9 when it was just the Fugees and plummeted it all the way to a a 6.5. So again, a pretty good score there for originality, but bad in comparison to the other two members and obviously he couldn't afford to have that so you add those five numbers up and you divide by five and you get a final rating of 3.18 which puts Praz in 167th place of 173 artists done overall so again we have another really rough finish even substantially worse than lauren hills was in comparison to wyclef she dropped down almost 20 spots Praz drops down almost another 40 spots after that to land in the bottom 10 of artists covered thus far and i'm just going to be quite honest here man Praz was pretty bad it's that simple i spoke about the difference between him and the other members Wyclef seemed to flourish when the Fugees split. Lauren Hill kind of essentially did nothing, and Praz went backwards, even though he wasn't in a good place to start. So, you know, time was not Praz's friend as he recently started doing trap music and other things like that, and it just took away from an already not great score there. So, again, my intention is never to shit on anyone in this podcast especially not legends like the Fugees, who I personally love. But it is what it is, and I have to call it like I see it, or I would not be doing what I'm doing any justice. None of these group members really lyricists with their best artists being average, and they were original and successful as a group, and things changed as they branched off, and this is how the math totaled up for them at the end of the day. Of course, no scores are ever complete. Things do get changed quite often, but usually not very dramatically to the point where anyone goes from bottom 10 to top 100 or anything like that. I highly doubt anything of the sort is going to happen. So for the most part, the Fugees don't look like they're going to finish too well, unfortunately. Now let's get into our list. So we'll start with our typical top 15% overall. And even though none of the three members here today were able to crack this list, we do have a slight change in the order as someone that's been there has been moved up. So let's see what that is. In our top spot right now, we have Black Thought, who's in eighth place of 173 artists done overall. Directly behind him in a three-way tie for ninth is Tupac, and then Pharaoh Manch is behind him tied for 12th place. A couple of spots back from Pharaoh Manch in 15th is KRS-One, and then further behind him is Jizza, who's in 18th place. Couple of spots back from Jizza in 20th place is Slick Rick. And then we have Rakim, who's in 22nd place. Directly behind him in 23rd is Redman. And directly behind him in 24th is Common. Then we have MF Doom, who's in 27th place. 
And directly behind him in 28th is Rev Run of Run DMC. Directly behind Rev Run, we got LL Cool J, who's in 29th. And then a couple of spots back from that in 31st, we have Will Smith. Directly behind Will Smith, we have Sticky Fingers and Crazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony, who are tied for 32nd. Then right behind him, we have Lazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony, who's in 34th place. Couple of slots back from them is DMC of Run DMC and Ice Cube of NWA, who are both tied for 36th place of 173 artists done overall. So again, none of our three artists here today able to crack the top 15%, but whether you notice it or not, Will Smith has slid in front of Sticky Fingers and Crazy Bone, who last week he was directly behind. That was due to Will Smith dropping a single since we covered him that registered as a great song and raised his score a very slight margin. Luckily for him, it was enough to move him up one more spot for now. So let's get into our current top 10% lyrically. And again, there are no changes to this list today either. In our top lyrical spot, we got a tie between Pharaoh Monch and Black Thought, who both received lyrical scores of eight and a half. Behind them, we have a three-way tie for third place between Master Ace, Jizza, and Common, who all received lyrical scores of 7.5. Then behind them, we have a tie for sixth place between KRS-One and Lord Finesse, who both got lyrical scores of 7. And then behind them, we have an eight-way tie for eighth place between Will Smith, Rakim, Cool G Rap, Everlast, Tupac, Redman, Sticky Fingers, and Lazy Bone, who all got lyrical scores of six and a half. So that list remains the same as last week, and this one obviously doesn't tend to change quite as often as some of the other ones do, but I'm sure we'll have some changes to it soon. So now, let's get into our particular decades list, obviously starting with our top five rappers to make their debut in the 1980s. Your top five rappers to make their debut in the 1980s are KRS-One, Slick Rick, Rakim, Rev Run of Run DMC, and LL Cool J. That list hardly ever changes, may never change, doesn't matter, we're gonna keep running it, legends right there. Now for your top five artists to make their debut in the 90s so far, and there are no changes to this list today either. So your top rappers to make their debut in the 90s thus far are Black Thought of The Roots, Tupac, Pharaoh Monch, Jizza, and Redman. Now, I want to point out that this list hasn't really changed in quite some time now either. When we first started this list, it pretty much changed every week. Then it kind of got like sporadic. It was hit or miss. You know, two weeks it would stay the same. Then like three weeks in a row it would change and shit like that. So we were seeing things in waves. It's been quite some time now that we've seen anybody crack this top five artists of the 90s so far. Which goes to show you something how... The 90s in general might not be crushing it. There's still plenty of 80s guys that are still up at the top of that top 15% overall. But we are noticing that the 90s guys that do seem to finish in there are getting some pretty damn high scores overall. So it's starting to become difficult for the other 90s guys to beat them out because some of these top 90s guys are getting really crazy scores. So now let's get into our new list that we started with our top three artists from each region of the country. So we'll start off on the East Coast here. Your top rapper so far to come out of the East Coast is Black Thought of The Roots from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. 
Behind him, we have Pharaoh Monch from Queens, New York. And in the third spot, KRS-One from the Bronx, New York. Moving over to our West Coast. Your top rapper thus far to come out of the West Coast is Tupac from Marin County, California. Second is Ice Cube of NWA from Los Angeles, California. And third is Everlast, also from Los Angeles, California. Moving down to the South. Our number one rapper thus far to come out of the South is Scarface of the Ghetto Boys from Houston, Texas. Number two, Bun B of UGK, also from Houston, Texas. And number three, Willie D, also of the Ghetto Boys and also from Houston, Texas. Moving over to our Midwest now. The top rapper to come out of the Midwest so far is Common from Chicago, Illinois. Number two, Crazy Bone of Bone Thugs and Harmony from Cleveland, Ohio. And number three, Lazy Bone, also of Bone Thugs and Harmony, also coming out of Cleveland, Ohio. So, no real changes again in like any of these lists today, aside from Will Smith sliding up one spot overall in front of Sticky Fingers and Crazy Bone. Normally, I wouldn't even bring up someone moving one spot mid-season, but because he's in our top 15% overall, it's worth mentioning, so... Just keep that as a note going forward. When the people that we're naming in our top lists and shit, when they get moved, I'll definitely name it right away when it happens. The other people, if somebody moves from, you know, 157 to 153, I'm not going to just announce that every time that happens. You will hear that they moved when I run off the list at the end of that season. So remember that we will run off our total list at the end of season two. So any changes that have been made along the way that I didn't bring up as they happen will be on full display. If you'd like to see any of these lists in full, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash tale of the tapes podcast. You can also give the host website a visit at www.anchor.fm slash tale of the tapes. Both of those links are spelled completely normally. And please hit the donate button on the host site. A lot of work that goes into this. I'm trying not to flood it with commercials, but I might have to because I'm running out of fucking gas in the tank here with all this shit. So anyway, anybody that hits it, much appreciated. If not, thank you anyway for listening. And that's it for today's episode, man. Next week, we got Timbo King and Brooklyn's own MOP. It'll be interesting to see who finishes ahead of who here as we kind of have like a relative unknown and a hardcore hip-hop following in MOP. So, tell of the tapes. Peace. Tell of the tapes. Might as well.